If you have your Bibles, please open them up to Luke chapter 15. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we got our ushers, and just raise your hand and they'll bring you one. And you guys can take that home. That's yours. Gift, our gift to you. Um, As Pastor Steve gave me the okay um, to kind of preach on whatever I wanted these next two weeks, I ended up landing right here, this chapter. Now, most of us churchgoers probably know this chapter fairly well or this story. And for those of us who are here and you don't know that story, that's okay. Why? Because this is why. The invitation is for all of us. And so before we start, I always like to read through the passage to kind of get an overview of where we're going to be camping. And so if you have your Bibles open to Luke 15, please say amen. 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 We're going to start at verse 11. So it says this, and he said, a man had two sons. This is Jesus. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me, the inherit, uh, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And where he squandered his estate with loose living, now when he had spent everything a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into into his fields to feed swine, feed pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one would give him anything. But when he came to his senses, this is my favorite verse, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men or one of your hired servants. So he got up, verse 20, and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the uh, servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and and not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered him and said to his father, Look, 
For so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth, with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that, my, all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. If you don't know me too well, that's okay. And I didn't used to cry like this. And only a handful of people actually really know me. But I will gladly tell everyone here to this morning, if you don't know me, that I myself identify with the younger son in this story. I live this lifestyle. It was a life of constant rebellion and disobedience. And because of that, trouble was always on my tail. Now, this was in my earlier years. Now, fast forward from my early years, about seven to eight years ago, I found myself in a position where I was dangerously addicted to heroin and crystal meth. Yeah, big jump. And if any of you guys seen me back then, you would know, gosh, this guy, he needs help. Like, you pass pass by me on the street on any given day, I was about 100 pounds soaking wet. And that's on a good day. You know, in my mind, I thought I was free. I was free. I was free to do whatever I wanted to do and go wherever I wanted to go, do whatever I wanted to do. And yet, even with this freedom, I'm going to tell you this, there were more days of me not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do, than having any direction at all. But in the beginning of this lifestyle, it was exciting It was pleasurable. It was exhilarating. There was something in my heart that was being satisfied. But as time went on, every single one of those things became less and less and less and less from friends to feelings. Everything that made its way into my life began to make its way out. And so at the end of it all, I'm going to tell you this, there were more days of loneliness than company. There were more days of sorrow than there were joy. And on top of everything, there was the weight of all the shame and all the guilt of who I've become. And you know what? Because of that, I didn't even want to see my family. I didn't want anyone close to me to know where I've ended up or, where I've, or who I've become and I didn't want anyone to see me, uh, see me at that point. I've missed so many birthdays. I've missed so many Thanksgivings, so many gatherings. Like, I didn't know what day it was. Why would I go home now? Why would I go home? And so I remember sitting down on a sidewalk one day in Waikiki. I'm from Oahu, by the way. 
sitting down on a sidewalk in Waikiki, tired, beat up. I was hungry, and I was alone. And all I could ask myself is, where to next, David? Where do you want to go from here? Now, most of you might not relate or identify with me in this way. I get it. You might not have lived this kind of lifestyle or this life, but I will say this. I know a lot of us in here today can identify with feelings of shame and guilt. Maybe we're here this morning and we've made some choices. Like we've made some choices that brought us back into the life we promised to stay away from. And instead of addressing it, instead of bringing it to the light, like Pastor Keone always says, we try to manage it. We try to hide it. And because of that, we feel trapped and alone right now. And you might not look like this on the outside. We're worshiping here because you're all cleaned up. You're here. You're sitting right here. But on the inside, you are desperately looking for a way out. Listen, I'm going to say this. You don't need to look lost to be lost. And in the same way, you and I can be sitting right here today, but our hearts can be far from this place. Some of our hearts have been far from home. Now, in this parable, there is another brother. This other brother is the one that's always been home. He's always been home, and his life is one of obedience and duty. Outwardly, when you see him, he's the one that does what he's told to do. He follows every command. He doesn't skip a beat ever, but inwardly, he is bitter. He's angry. And everything he does may be right, but it's all for the wrong reasons. And all of life has become a joyless existence, joyless submission and begrudging obedience. You see, this brother's life revolves around right living. His life is one of staying home and doing the right thing, never leaving the house, and yet his heart is just as far from home as the younger son is physically. You see, the older brother might resemble the father in many ways. Maybe the way he dresses, the way he looks, the way he gets things done around the house, but when it came down to his attitude and his character, what may have looked right and polished on the outside, on the inside, it was dark and it was bitter. And so I decided to make this a two-part sermon. This week, we're going to focus on the younger brother. I'm not even going to spend a lot of time, but this week, we are going to focus on the younger brother, and next week, we will focus on the older one. But you see, in this story, both brothers share a common reality. Do you know what that is? They're both lost. The only difference between them, one is lost on the outside and the other one is lost right here. One is lost away from home and the, one, and the other one is lost at home. And so before I move on, I just want to say this. It is one thing for us to be told that we're lost, but it is a completely different thing to know that. Completely different. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. To know that you're lost is a good thing because in this story, although the younger son leaves home, it says he comes back. 
And when he gets home, there is celebration for his return. But what we don't know in this story is if the older brother ever joins the party. We don't know that. Jesus leaves the story open-ended. The reason why Jesus gives this parable is because he's addressing two groups of people. Let's give some context. You see, from Luke chapters 1 to 3, it is describing Jesus' birth, right? The Messiah is here. The promised one has landed. From chapters 3 to 9 is Jesus now stepping on the scene and beginning his ministry. And what he is doing is that he is announcing the gospel of the kingdom, the good news. From chapters 9 to 19, it is Jesus' final year of ministry as he has now set his face towards Jerusalem. And guess where he's going? To the cross. To the cross to die for you and to die for me. But before he gets to the cross, he is going through every city and place where no one can be left out to receive the invitation to his banquet. Everyone here has been invited, both the religious and the irreligious the ones who worship and the ones that are outcasted, the ones in the temple and the ones outside of the temple. There is enough room for everyone here at his table. But listen, we don't know if everyone shows up. Everyone's invited, but we don't know if everybody shows up. And so in Luke chapter 15, it starts off with these two groups. It says here in verse 1, if you could look with me, it says that the tax collectors and the sinners gather, gathered around Jesus. But it says in verse 2, the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. They began to grumble because this man, Jesus, receives sinners and he eats with them. And so if there's anything I want us to know today in this sermon is I want you to know God's heart towards the loss. I want you to know God's heart towards you. And so Jesus does this by giving us three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost sons. You see, in the parable of the lost sheep, a shepherd has 99 sheep because one of them has gone astray. But it says here that he leaves the 99, this shepherd, in order to find the one. And it says when he does, there is celebration and there is rejoicing. In the parable of the lost coin, there is a woman who has 10 coins and she loses one of them. And so what does she do? She sweeps the house. She lights a lamp. And when she finds that coin, what does it say? There is celebration and there is rejoicing. In the parable of the prodigal son, there is a son who leaves his home. And when he finally returns, there is celebration and rejoicing. And what I want us to understand more than anything in these three parables is that they share a common theme. The theme is this, they were lost and they were found. They were lost and they were found. And what the religious leaders in this chapter could not see was now being revealed to the outcasts, to the nobodies, to the sinners, to the prostitutes, to the tax collectors, and this is the truth. I just want to encourage you guys this morning. You and I have a father who not only goes out of his way to find us, but this father has been waiting for his sons and daughters to come home. This is the message. Come home. Wherever you are right now, come home. 
And so what we're going to do this morning is go through verses 11 to 24. Yeah, I'm going to read it all. And as I read through this parable, I want us to picture all that the son is about to go through. Amen? Amen. And so it begins like this in verse 11. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the young son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of those citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, it says this, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and this is what I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And so this is what he does. He gets up, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And it says that he felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it, let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. You see, this morning, the first thing I want us to see in this story is that this son began his journey with his pockets full and his spirits high. But in verse 13 and 14, we see that this journey that this son took comes to an end. And guess what? So does everything else. It says here in verse 1 that he began as a son, but in verse 15, he has now hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. How quickly did this son go from sonship to enslavement? And listen, when you are a slave, when you are a slave, you don't get to choose what to do. You see, his job was to go into the fields, as it says in this chapter, to feed what? Pigs. Now that may not mean much to you and me today, but for any Jewish person who was listening to this story would have been disgusted. For any Jewish person to be in this position would have been humiliating and shameful. But it doesn't end there. Not only was he willing to work with the pigs, but what does it say? He was willing to eat what the pigs were eating. You see, not only did he have nothing left, but he had nothing left of himself. You see, for my own life, it didn't begin with me nodding off on a sidewalk with heroin pumped into my veins. It didn't start off that way. No, it began with me trying a little bit of this, trying a little bit of that, going over here, going over there, and my life was a life of trying out different things over and over again in order to fill some kind of void that was in my heart. But check this out, the more I did that, I realized I was only moving further and further and further and further away from home. Anybody feel like that? 
Anybody? Like what's, I mean like, what started off as just a quick glance or the thought, that thought, that quick glance became so much more than that. Like at one point, maybe for you, it was easy to manage. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was easy to manage. It was easy to contain. But now that sin, that sin has consumed you. It's got its grip on you. See, it wasn't as big of a problem then, but today, gosh, it has ruined you. Maybe ruined your marriage. And because of this, you have been walking with the weight of your choices. Listen, there came a moment in my life where I was tired. I was done. And I was sick of doing what I was doing. And I'm so thankful for this one person. She was the only one that never gave up on me. It's my mom. (laughs) Never. Never. She was the only one who kept inviting me back over and over and over again. And it was at that moment on the sidewalk, that hot day, I was hungry and I was tired. I realized one thing. I've had a place to go. I've always had a place to go. And so look what happens here in verse 17. It says that this son, what does he do? He comes to his senses. That is my favorite verse. He comes to his senses and he remembered his father's house. He remembered where it all began, where everything he needed was right there. But most importantly, this son realized it wasn't a place he was going back to. It was a person. A person who has been waiting for his son to return. Gosh, I don't know how many sleepless nights my mom had. She probably thought I was dead. I was running around for so long, she had no idea where I was. She's probably going to watch this, mom, love you so much. (laughs) No idea. But the only thing that she could do was hope that maybe tonight David will come home. Maybe tonight is the night I'll hear those footsteps. And so what we see here in verse 20 is this son begins to make his way. Now, I don't know how long the journey was back home. I have no idea. But it was long enough for this son to start rehearsing what he was going to say. Right? Constantly rehearsing. And on his way home, could you imagine all the thoughts of you're not good enough? Look at the mess you've made. You're not a real son. Why would he forgive you? And yet this son found the courage to put one foot after another after another after another. And as he got closer to his home, his father who has been waiting for his return sees his son in the distance and what does he do? Does he wait for his son to get home and say, man, I can't wait to make this guy pay for all that he's done? No. Because that's not the heart of our father. It says, when this son was a long way off and the father seen him, it says he ran towards his son and what did he do? He embraced him, he hugged him, and he kissed him. And before this son could even finish his sentence, the father stops him and he immediately says, get the best robe, 
Put the robe on him. Put the ring on his finger. Put the sandals on his feet. Listen, the robe represents a place of highest honor. The ring signifies authority and sonship, and the sandals represent luxury. These items were never given to a hired hand. They were never given to hired servants. They were only given to sons. This is the father's way of saying, you are my son, and you will always be my son. We don't need to bring up yesterday. Let's hold off on tomorrow, because today, today you are home, and we're going to celebrate. So bring out the fat calf, and let's eat. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he has been found. And so this is my invitation to you. If you came into this place today saying, that's me. That's me. I am the younger son. I have been far away from home. I might come here every week, and I might look cleaned up and polished, but the reality is my life is not in order right now. I've been giving myself over to things I shouldn't. I've been watching things I shouldn't. I have been playing with fire. And this sin, my sin, has been ruining me and the people around me. Listen, you don't have to stay there. You have a place to go. You have a place right here. But more than just a place, you have a Father who loves you. And He is waiting for you to return. It doesn't matter what you've done. I don't know where you've ended up. Those things do not define you. Why? Because you have always been a son. You have always been his daughter. And you have always belonged to the Father. Amen? Amen. This is what I'm going to say. Come home. Come home. If I can have Pastor Austin and the worship team come up. I know this is Super Bowl Sunday. And so Keone told me, keep it short. (laughs) And I know there's going to be a lot of celebrating. I don't watch football, but I know you guys will be cheering for your teams. But let me end with this. The word celebrate, this word celebrate is used at least three times in this chapter. The word rejoice is used four times. I don't know if you ever heard the gospel this way, the good news, but God, our Father, rejoices over you. I have never heard the gospel that way. I've always thought that he was some kind of cosmic cop out to tag us. That's not who our Father is. Our Father is the one who eagerly waits for his children to come home. He is the one that goes after straying sheep. He is the one that finds the missing coins. And when he finds them, it says he throws a party. I said this on Wednesday. I don't know how the parties are up in heaven, but I'm sure it's out of this world. (laughs) And so if there's anything... And so if there's anything worth celebrating today, if there's anything to find joy in, it is in the fact that we are right where we belong, in our Father's house. Amen? Amen.